And it looks like my timeline is actually recording for wow. the once I have everything in line. Uh, so maybe. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to the show. We uh, put out our little uh, Christmas greeting and gave a little teaser about uh, Christopher's trip out to the Wild West. Mm-hmm. So you are coming to us live from a <laughs> currently undisclosed location. So tell us where you're at. An undisclosed location. I'm currently at. Uh, it's pronounced Picacho Peak. Uh, it's P-I-C... Oh, dear. I have the spelling all wrong now. Uh, anyway, it we, we, we were saying Pikachu. It's wrong. It's Picacho Peak. Uh, we're about halfway between Tucson and Phoenix uh, in Arizona. And uh, we are recording. This is January 1st, so Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> um, and, oh, uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still New Year's Day. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so we've spent, uh, the last couple weeks down here now, and, um, really enjoying the warm weather over the winter holidays, and, um, yeah, so we are in, I'm, uh, basically RVing with my family, um, we have a fifth wheel RV, so it's, uh, it's the kind that goes, um, connects to a, a, uh, hitch, <laughs> losing my mind, a hitch in the, uh, in the bed of a pickup. And so we have like one of those mm-hmm. dualies, uh, that's got, uh, two wheels in the back on each side, uh, just to support all the weight. Um, so we did a, we did a weight calculation and our entire, uh, RV plus pickup, I believe, uh, comes in at 16 tons, which is kind of insane to think about. Um, that's crazy. And, uh, despite having such a big pickup, uh, dually and all that, cause some people try to get away with just a normal, uh, non-dually pickup because they don't want to have to upgrade if they already have a pickup, but, um, it just can't, can't support all that weight. <clears throat> so, yeah, so it's kind of been a joke, uh, this past year. Um, that apparently once the, uh, the pandemic hit in March or, you know, like really hit and everybody was getting sent home, apparently a lot of people started buying RVs because they were taking advantage of, Mm. you know, working at home, just being at home and they didn't want to, uh, you know, be locked in, uh, with the lockdowns and all. Um, so they took advantage of that and want to go out and just go RVing is seemed like the perfect time. So it's been a joke that everybody, their mother, their brother, their father, their grandparents and siblings and whatever, everyone is out like RVing. And so number one, RVs were kind of hard to come by, which, um, we actually ordered ours. Um, it was new. Um, they had to make ours for us. Uh, like the same way she ordered like a brand new vehicle, um, just cause of the layout we wanted and stuff. Um, but it was really coming down to the, the, the wire cause we, uh, I was, I got off school for the fall semester, um, December 18th and, um, we wanted to, uh, begin this trip. So like the, also the campgrounds were all filled up because everyone's out RVing, right? And... Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad made these reservations like months in advance and he had this entire 
trip planned out. We've been um, changing campgrounds like every four days or so, just so we can hit a lot of places and see a lot of different different uh, campgrounds. Um, but uh, so we had this this trip planned out way in advance. So if we couldn't get to the first day, you know, the first campground, make it there on uh, on schedule, then kind of the entire trip gets thrown off. I mean, mm-hmm. we could, you know, try to get to other sites, but it was already like three days of driving eight hours a day just to get down here. And um, so it's mm. just, it's complicated, but everything did work out. The truck, the uh, the RV got built in time and got ready and was shipped to us in time. The pickup, which my dad had a F-150 previously, but he... Uh, traded that in for an F-350, which is the dually, because we needed it for all that weight. And, uh, so there was just complications with that, trying to get the truck sold, and, uh, get it replaced with the new one, and (laughs) finally, everything worked out, and it was just like a kind of a a rush, because we only had, like, ooh, how much time? I think we we had two weeks at home with the RV before we left. And... (laughs) You know, now that we've been, like, out in it, um, we've gotten, you know, comments about, because, like, so, when you have an RV, um, you have to, like, go to, like, the dump station and, like, the water Mm. station where you fill up with water, dump your black tank and your gray tank and whatnot, and, uh, (laughs) so, it takes a while, especially our RV is pretty big, it's... It's it's actually not even meant for four adults. It's meant for like a family with like younger kids, but we're making it work with four adults. But it's a pretty big man. I think your IV is probably bigger than the house I grew up in. It I I would pretty sure that's correct. There were six of us. <laughs> how many? Do you know how many square feet it is? No, I don't. I don't have that off the top of my head. But right. it is pretty big. It, it's bigger than I want to say it's bigger than the bottom floor of my college apartment. Um, but anyways, so like, uh, if we're at the dump station or something and it takes a while to like drain our tanks and fill up. And so then people like start lining up behind you. And of course we feel bad because, uh, you know, we've got people waiting behind us. We're like, oh man, we still have to do this other tank. It's going to take us another like 45 minutes. And, um, so we've, you know, talked with people. Uh, in line behind us and, you know, explain, like, hey, we're new at this, and, and then, you know, the conversation goes, like, where are you from, and all, and, uh, we've gotten some entertaining comments about, oh, most people, when they get their RVs, they do, like, a, a dry run, they go, like, 15 minutes from their home to try it out or something, and here we are, we just traveled, like, 24 hours down to Arizona, and it's our very first time with such a massive rig, so it's, (laughs) it's, Go big or go home. <laughs> yes, we've said that a lot. Um, but it's it's been really fun. Um, so, yeah, so so we, we're here in Arizona. Um, we're here all over my, my uh, winter break from school, even though technically we could stay longer because everybody in our family is working remotely now. My school, at least the spring semester, is going to be completely in line for me. I had no choice about that. Uh, so, technically, we could stay here, like, longer, like, we could finish out the winter, winter down here, um, but, 
I think we're I think we're gonna head back. We have a couple cats that uh, were boarding at a real nice lady's place um, just down the road from us. But uh, we we just don't we don't want to be gone that long. We're not quite ready for that yet. But yeah, so we're here. You could become uh, what are they called? Digital nomads. Yes. You just work yes. from wherever you have a, a internet connection. Yes. You guys should just take a trip. Well, or you and I should take a trip up the Alaskan highway sometime from <laughs> wherever that starts okay, in the so, U.S. all the way up to Alaska. Okay, so that makes me... I, w- I want to bring up the first... So we've had many, like... This entire thing has been a learning experience, and my dad has done an incredible amount of uh, research and figuring all this stuff out. He's been, like, doing it for, like, three months. Um, but still just doing it. It's, like, it's, it's such new territory. So the first thing is... Um, so the F three fifty is diesel, okay. Uh, mm. I believe you could get it in gas as well, but what's interesting is, um, so our RV is it's about forty three feet long, I believe, and um, only a couple inches shorter than a semi. And so we go to height wise. Height wise, yes. Sorry. Okay. Um, and of co- and the forty some feet of length of the trailer is just a trailer, so that doesn't include the truck in front of it. Um, mm-hmm. And which I guess I guess the semis they say fifty three feet on them. I don't know if that includes the tractor or not. Anyways, so we're we're not as as long as the semi, um, but we're still pretty long. And so we go to these trucks truck stops. Um, so they're like. Flying J has them. Uh, I think Loves has has truck stops as well. Um, mm. What's the other one? What's the one we've been going to? I can't even think now. Maybe it's been Flying J. Um, we've gone to some different ones, but so the truck stops are uh, they're just a, a really big gas station, and they have a separate area for uh, truckers to fuel up clean off their windshields, etc. And uh, also just big parking lots uh, where they can park. Man, it's crazy. They just pack in like sardines. It's insane. Like these, <laughs> and, and they, they all back in too, which is has been, <laughs> has been interesting. And I can talk more about backing in a minute here. But the, the truck stops, uh, we've been at some at night. And uh, all the... You see, you know, you see some some uh, some semis just parking on like exit ramps to sleep for the night, but the truck stop can be packed, and there, I, I, I kid you not, there's like they're a few feet apart, and they back into these tiny gaps. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. They, it just amazes me that they can do that, and they just they all fit in there so neatly. It looks really nice. <laughs> they look very orderly. Um, you know, I. Uh... I've I've driven with trailers before, uh-huh. and I've backed them up short distances, usually in a straight line, and I just kind of figured, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You just kind of got to keep your mind on what you're doing and back it up, no problem. Um, and at some point in, later on in the episode, maybe I'll tell you about my uh, recent purchase, but uh, I had to use a trailer to get it home, oh. and man, oh, getting that thing in my driveway. Now, I have a pretty skinny driveway. With a deep ditch on each side, uh-huh. so it's not like I had a lot of room to play with. But sounds like man, our driveway. That was hard getting that in. Yeah, 
It's it's just the width of a normal driveway, and there's no room to go off the sides. Yeah. It's, does it have, um, like, a, a I, pipe going through it underneath, a culvert? Yeah, a culvert. Yeah. Um, I ended up just kind of backing it into the yard and then pulling forward, and then uh, after I was off the road, I just took a little bit more time to get straightened out and stuff and back up to where I wanted. It, that was a lot of trial and error. I uh, I felt like I was completely new to driving. <laughs> but... Uh, I think if I did it more often, I could I could pick up the skill pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just that I drive a trailer maybe once every five years. So yeah. It, anyway, it, it really just seems wanted like to just say like, it's it's pretty difficult. Yeah, it really just seems like practice. Like you have to like know yeah. how everything behaves, and then besides knowing mm-hmm. it, just like you know, getting a feel for actually doing it. So yeah, f- I think you have to get the trailer kind of pointed where you want to go, and then you just use the vehicle to follow it into wherever you get it pointed. Seems uh, seems to be the best technique for me. Yeah, so, sounds uh, easy. Uh, that's that's got to be crazy trying to back up a semi or a camper like yours. So our first, I'm going to rewind back to the day we picked it up. Okay, so we're back at home now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're not at home. We're at the RV lot, right? So we we get hitched up. The guys at the the uh, the place we bought it from hitched us up, and. We we drive we drive it home uneventfully, if I remember correctly. Um, but our our driveway is it's standard width driveway. It's gravel. It's got a culvert running underneath, and so there's pretty big ditches on either side. Um, and <laughs> so okay, let me let me tell you about our mailbox. Actually, so we moved our mailbox. Okay. We actually had to move mm-hmm. it in preparation for getting this RV because we knew we knew how we were going to back it. It's not our driveway isn't isn't completely perpendicular, but it is, um, and it's, it's at a slight angle. So we knew which way we were going to back in from. So we wanted mm-hmm. to move the mailbox like twenty feet to the right because we knew that the truck um, was going to kind of run off the road there, and we didn't want to worry about hitting it at all. So. We dug that up and moved it 20 feet to the right. And so here we are with the trailer, um, or the RV. We've only had it for like 20 minutes for the drive home. It's the first time ever driving Mm -hmm. it. It's like 40 feet long. And um, (coughs) Dad knows how to back a trailer, obviously. Uh, But this thing is huge. And like trying to get get it onto our driveway... It's it, a surprising limitation is how much space you have in front of the the um, the spot you're trying to back the RV into. So, for example, uh, a campsite. Um, if you imagine that is just it's kind of like a driveway, mm-hmm. but it's only the length of the RV. Um, that's that's like mm-hmm. a a parking space, I guess, for an RV that size. Um, having having a lot of space in front of the campsite for uh, for the truck to maneuver while it backs it up um, is actually really important. And um, one of the sites we stayed at, I know I'm jumping all over here, one of the sites we stayed at, we uh, there were trees across, and so um, the trees kind of scratched up the truck because we were like kind of in the trees there. And then another campsite, we almost hit a post because it was like just a campsite post for site across from us but it was there and Mm. based on how the truck has to maneuver 
Um, you need a lot of space. Um, because, like, the, the the front of the truck will, like, swing out, and it's 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 hard to just explain. Um, you'd have to know mm-hmm. how, how a truck backs, or, or at least, like, watch a video or something. Um, but, yeah, so... It took us a few tries and, and, and to back into our driveway. It was dark, which didn't help. Um, and also our driveway is like all kinds of sloping everywhere and it's loose gravel. And so our, our driveway at home is kind of a nightmare. Um, I think we're probably going to store it somewhere. Um, but anyways, I forget where I was going with that if I, if I had anything else to say. It's a challenge to back up something this long. Um mm. We think we're getting better at it because it's, it's not just a one-man job. The person in mm-hmm. the driver's seat basically does whatever the person in the back with the radios says. Um, mm-hmm. And it's usually the three of us uh, outside, um, either with radios or just yelling into the windows, yelling, stop, do this, do that, do the other thing, stop, uh, <laughs> to try to get us into a site. And... Um, not to mention the pressure too, when you're at a campsite and, uh, you've got not only people just watching you try to back your RV in, but also holding up Mm. traffic. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. (laughs) Um, we are in our, let's see, one, two, three, fourth, fourth campsite now. So we've oh. done it several times now. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm not even including the trip down here. It was like 24 hours to get here. So we, we did three, three days of eight hours driving. Those were kind of rough. Um, wow. But the sites we stayed at weren't like pretty sites. They were just um, more like, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. They're more like a parking lot than anything. Um, yeah. And a bunch of those were pull-throughs. So that made it easy. Mm. Um, but the ones where you're really out in the middle of nowhere and it's more of a camp, uh, you've got more space around you. You've got a picnic table, fire pit, stuff like that. Um, those are, mm. are usually seem to be the back ends. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> we, we definitely had some uh, interesting uh, experiences coming down. Um, on day one, let's see, did anything happen on day one? Um, I don't remember if it was day one or two, but we noticed that our, basically our luggage compartment, it's called like the basement, but it's where we stow stuff underneath the, uh, in like a storage space underneath the RV. And, um, we noticed Mm. that, uh, it, it had, uh, come open. And it was, like, actually swinging open in the wind. Thankfully, I don't think we lost anything because it was in, uh, everything was stored in tubs, very, very orderly. But it come open, it was flapping in the wind. It was sticking out pretty far, too. We're already wide, but it was, like, sticking out into the other lane kind of far. So mm. we pull over, and this is, like, the first time I've, in a long while, that I've realized, like, wow, how powerful a freeway is with traffic going by and semis. The wind is scary. Yeah. Like, mm. it, it feels like like one misstep and you're just going to get sucked in and smashed between all the cars. It's crazy yeah. how windy it is. 
and um, we we had parked, and uh, just the RV every time a semi went by, the entire RV just swayed side to side in the wind, and the the door that had come open, the luggage compartment door, was on the 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 the, the inside facing the f- the freeway with all the traffic, so. <clears throat> Dad was able to get it kind of closed, um, but there was an issue with the latch, uh, which we did fix about a week later, but we were able to pull ahead to a uh, an exit ramp and get it fully taken care of. So that was either mm. day one or day two, and day three, we had a <laughs> an interesting experience as well. So because we're really long, we can't just go to the, to the average gas station, right? We go to these truck stops, and uh, we mm-hmm. also have a specific uh, Garmin GPS unit that just mounts to our dashboard that is specifically meant for truckers and RVers. So the mm-hmm. routes are planned such that uh, you don't make any go through any like like uh, you know tight tight roads where you might not fit. Um, mm-hmm. You stick to the big main roads. You don't go under bridges that are too low. Um, it, it, it's meant for that, right? So we have our entire route planned out, uh, including fuel stops um, to get diesel. And uh, so the truck stop we had planned to go to, um, it was on a route. Um, we had had enough fuel to get there, um, but we stopped at a, uh, it was just a regular old rest area for a bathroom break and uh, just get out stretched the legs. Um, and then we got back on, and we were like, okay, it looks like it's going to be kind of close to getting to our next fuel stop. And, um, but we were looking at the, uh, the miles to empty, and our Garmin GPS was telling us, you know, we were almost there, we'd be fine. And, um, it had gotten down to 25 miles, uh, remaining, Okay. And we were about one mile from the gas station, okay? Well, yeah, it was probably about a mile. Um, Maybe a little farther. We could see it in the distance, but we're in the middle of nowhere. It's just flat everywhere. Um, So I Mm. I don't know. It was close, okay? And it said we had 25 miles to empty. But, um, oh, oh, man, I forget the order, but... So a few warnings came on, okay? The first one um, said low fuel pressure, I believe. Um, then another one immediately came on and said uh, something about decreasing power. And we noticed right away that the, the truck was starting to slow down. And um, mm. I thought we had another warning that came on. Oh, the engine light. The engine light came on. Um, and we're slowing down. And uh, we slowed down to a complete halt. Okay, so we, we, we could tell it was happening, and so we pull over. By the time uh, we've pulled over, the truck has completely died. We have no, um, it wasn't even on anymore. Uh, we tried to start it, and it wouldn't start. Um, tried a couple more times, it wouldn't start. Uh, Michael and I, I'm sorry, my brother and I, or uh, trying to Google things in the back seat, trying to figure out why on earth is this, you know, what happened, uh, coming up with all kinds of reasons, um, a bunch sounding like 
something could seriously be wrong with the engine or anything. Um, when, Just like when you Google uh, the health-related symptoms? <laughs> yes. They all tell you you're about to die. Yes. Um, and so it seemed like it could be something awful. We didn't know. Um, but we knew that the truck had said 25 miles to empty, right? So we we, we ruled that mm. out. Well, anyways, we, we call roadside assistance, and... Um, they're like thinking they need to tow us or something, right? And it's going to be just hours and hours and hours. And we were trying to figure out mm-hmm. what are we going to do? There's, could do we have to find a hotel? The truck needs to get fixed. Like this completely ruins all our plans. Well, we later call a a uh, a technician, I guess, um, at a a at a. Uh, Ford, I guess, because uh, that's what the brand of our truck uh, uh, shop. It's about an hour away, I think, um, to just see if you know, explain what had happened. And um, so it turns out we were out of fuel. Well, we weren't, but we didn't have enough for what the truck needed. So the problem mm-hmm. was that because our RV was so heavy and weighing down on the back. The entire tank was at an angle, so yeah, it, okay. it thought we had enough fuel, and we didn't, and so air got in the engine, and then the engine shut down. Ooh. And um, yep. and also, uh, even if we uh, could have made it, apparently the truck shuts down before it's completely out of fuel, because a diesel engine can get damaged if you uh, actually run below. Uh, run completely out of fuel so it tries to keep some left in the tank so Hmm. there's nothing we could do um so basically we had someone bring us fuel the roadside assistance that we called um bring us fuel uh brought us some diesel diesel us up and then um we had to do some kind of priming sequence to get the truck ready because the first time after getting fuel it didn't work and we were kind of like worried that it wasn't going to work um but it it did start back up and uh we made it to the truck stop that was just like a mile in front of us and fueled up and um and then uh, the next day too uh the engine light went off as well so everything's fine with the truck but uh that was lesson learned even though we thought we had calculated fine and had enough fuel to get to where we need to go we uh, just didn't know everything about that, so that was uh, that was our interesting day three. And then classic running out of gas blunder. Yeah, especially with the gas station site, but it was really interesting because you know we we didn't know any of that, so we made it. Finally, made it to our site on day four, I guess, the morning of the fourth day, um, and. Yeah, it is pretty awesome to actually get to a a uh, an actual campground after just staying in these uh, basically these parking lots for RVs. Um, mm. We are in the. Um, oh, I'm not prepared for this. Hang on, let me let me type something in the Google machine really quick. <laughs> okay, keep the audience entertained. Uh, All right. 
while I was uh, hauling my latest purchase home, I used my truck, which only gets like 14 miles a gallon normally. And uh, I can only imagine it was getting <laughs> 10 or 12 while pulling my trailer. And I shudder to even think what your truck is getting. You're probably getting like 5 miles a gallon. Ooh, ooh, we're doing better Do than you that. Know, actually? Yes, we're getting 8.9. <clears throat> ooh, Oh, man. yeah. Wow. Saving the planet. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was something I had in the back of my mind the whole time is how fast I was going to be using gas. Um, I don't think I really had much of a problem with the, the gas tank being at the uh, wrong angle, but uh, I could certainly see that being a thing with a bigger trailer like yours. Yeah. Okay, so I, I figured out the thing I wanted to... I was looking up. So we have been in the Sonoran Desert... Uh, I'm not totally sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but that is the only place that uh, giant saguaro cactus is found. Um, which I've been really excited <laughs> to see. Um, just because I've seen them in pictures growing up and I just think they look so cool. Um, anyway, so we've been, I guess, in this desert the entire time because every campsite we've been at has had giant saguaros. Um, and in fact, our our campsite we're at right now... There are three super tall ones, like, about 15 feet from our RV. We're parked right next to them. It's so cool. Nice. And I had no idea how tall they were. But, I mean, when I read online that they can be, like, normally 40 feet tall, yeah, I totally I totally see that. Um, they're, hmm. they're about twice the height of our RV, um, the ones that are out, outside right here. Um, but, yeah, it's so cool. I've- definitely seen them in real life before but i would have never thought that they were 40 feet tall if you had asked me i'd have been like i'm oh, probably 10 or 12 feet oh and it's deceiving too um when you see them from a distance they 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 don't look that tall because especially they don't if you imagine a tree without limbs it's kind of weird they're mm-hmm. they just look like trunks um yeah. and so they seem deceivingly small but uh we <laughs> Uh, we had our photo taken beside one, so we stood beside it, and then the person with the camera backed up to get the entire cactus into view, and it's crazy to look at the photo, like, they look a lot bigger in the photo than they, than they feel in real life, um, Mm. but anyway, yeah, it's, it's so cool, our first campsite, they were just everywhere, um, so, that was definitely a highlight for me, um, beginning to basically be in the midst of them uh for our very first day and uh plenty of trails to hike and uh go mountain bike riding and uh just there they were everywhere uh it seemed like they were mostly giant sparrows prickly pear and then one other kind um you uh mentioned mountain bike riding did you bring your bikes so i have something i have something to say about that as well so we were going to bring all the bikes but we were, hang on, oh, Michael's texting me. I'm sorry, you have to pause for a really quick second. Welcome back. Welcome back, right. You asked me about the mountain bikes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we were going to bring all our bikes, all four of us, so we could all go bike riding together. But we are, number one, we're low on space number two we're low on weight and number three we are long on length (laughs) so uh 
One option is, of course, to get a bike rack for the RV, okay? But that makes the RV even <coughs> longer than it is, which Dad wasn't really too bright about. Um, mm-hmm. The other option is to just figure out some, some other place to store them. We have the basement storage, um, but it's it's not much, and it's already mostly taken by uh, camp chairs, um, a whole bunch of tubs for hoses, uh, for draining tanks, for filling tanks, uh, a water purifier filtering thing, which is pretty big, mm. um, uh, various tools, tool chests, um, and, and that's already filling up most of the space. But there is enough room uh, for some more stuff. And um, so Dad got these... Um, he got them for 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 my mom and him to go bike riding together. Um, they're called electric bikes. That's the brand name. And they are electrically pedal-assisted bikes, essentially. So they have... Hmm. So they look like a normal mountain bike, but they're, they look a little more beefed up, and they have a motor to basically help you go up hills and uh, just assist you so you can go a whole lot longer and further than you would normally. Um, mm-hmm. So they have a motor, battery, you charge them, and uh, they go pretty fast. They can go up to like 20 miles per hour, and uh, mm. the cool thing is the range. Um they have different pedal assist levels, so it's like one through five or zero through five um, of how much the motor is helping you while you pedal. Because you still pedal with these, um, and it's crazy the range. Um, we haven't like actually tested it and gone this far, but they say the range when you are pedaling and using the pedal assist at about halfway, which is like three because it goes zero to five. Um, it will. The range is listed as forty-five plus miles, and and it's hmm. very doable because you have the motor helping you. So these let you go farther and basically be able to explore more um, at these you know new places we're going um, in a much more in a very doable way. And uh, the really cool part is that they collapse in half. So there's um, they they have a fold. Uh, just a joint um, they can fold in half and can collapse and stow in under our basement uh, there is a downside they are kind of heavy they um, which we are you know low on weight as I've said um, they weigh like probably 65 pounds a piece um, which wow. has actually been really interesting to observe how well they coast um, I noticed they coast a lot better than my normal bike at home um Hmm. Which actually is a one of those. Uh, it's got like road tires, so it's not a mountain bike. So you would think it would coast even better, but no, these coast really nicely. Um, I'm guessing because of all that weight. And uh, hmm. yeah, so we've taken them riding on both trails and the roads. Unfortunately, a number of campsites have all kinds of restrictions, like no electric bikes on trails. Um, no drones, no uh, no campfires unless they're inside their little metal ring. Just those kinds of mm-hmm. restrictions, right? Um, yeah. But there have been some that have allowed electric bikes. Uh, 
and it's been super fun. They uh, there was this one trail at the last campsite we were at, we were at Lost Dutchman State Park. I think it's State Park. Um, really cool mountain formation, which my brother and I actually hiked up into. Um, it's like it was like twenty six hundred feet, and we we'd only gone like well, I shouldn't say only. We had gone sixteen hundred of those feet. Uh, upwards before we were like, yeah, no way, this is not doable in the amount of time we had allotted because <laughs> we didn't want to get back be- mm. well in the dark. Um, but yeah, that was a crazy hike. Um, anyways, I'm jumping all over the place again. They had mountain bike trails there, and they're super fun. Um, they're very bouncy because uh, they were very rocky. But there was, it's awesome because you just you're like cruising along on these bikes. And um, just zipping by, like, cactus left and right, like, one, like, wrong <laughs> turn, and, like, you could just face plant into a cactus and, like, pop mm-hmm. your tires and, like, get all kinds of messed up in your face and arms, and it is super fun, and there's these, it's mostly flat, but there, there'd be these dips in the land, um, I guess probably, like, stream beds from, you know, downpours. Which is a thing in the mm. desert, um, flash floods. Uh, they tell you to be careful about going out when there's storms in the forecast. Um, and yeah, it's super fun. Um, and those electric bikes, they really do let you go farther and do more, um, which is pretty cool. So we go out, try to go out at least every day on those. Um, yeah, so... That's been that's been a fun fun way to explore uh, the campgrounds that we've gone to. Uh, what else? Let's see. I feel like, I feel like so much has happened. Um, okay, okay. Here's here's another thing to talk about. So we have we have uh, a water tank, a fresh water tank. We have a, uh, so the freshwater tank is like a lot. (laughs) Um, how big is our freshwater tank? It's, uh, it's like a hundred gallons, I think, 98 gallons, something like that. That's, that's not light. Well, um... Ah, I see. I need. I need to have this stuff written down. I guess it. It weighs. It weighs a lot. Several hundred pounds. Many hundred pounds. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just assume well, water is close to eight gallon or eight pounds a gallon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. So if it's a hundred gallons, that's a little over eight hundred. Yeah, pounds. that sounds right. I want to say. I want to say it's. It's. Uh, yeah. It's probably around 800 pounds, 900 pounds, something like that. It's a lot. Um, but we, so, we have a fresh water tank. We have a gray tank, which contains water from the, um, the sinks and showers. Um, we have a black tank, which is from the toilet, and that's all we've got. So, that is the entirety of our our self-contained system we also have a generator um 
I guess that, that's part of the self-contained system. Um, so to do what's called boondocking, um, which is basically a term for uh, just going out in the middle of nowhere, not in a campsite, and just staying there, living there in your RV, mm-hmm. um, you obviously need another thing, which is power. And so what a lot of people do is they get solar panels um, and all kinds of big batteries uh, to store the, to store yeah. the, the, the energy in. Um, we have two uh, basically car batteries, that type, um, that came with the RV. Just cheap, not great quality, and not a lot of... Um, they don't, they don't hold, a lot, hold a lot of amps. Um, I think we get... I think they hold... They hold... They hold a hundred amps. No, each yeah, each battery com- each battery holds a hundred amps, but because of the battery type, and we have two of them, because of the battery type, you can't drain them more than halfway, or else it'll ruin them. So really, mm-hmm. we only have one hundred amps uh, total. So it's two or it's two hundred amps total. It's one hundred that we can use. So, um. We arrived at a campsite. It was our third campsite. And we, we arrive and we're checking in and we find out that the campsite does not have a power hookup. And this is bad because we don't have any solar panels yet. Um, mm-hmm. we, we have a generator, but uh, we had not used it yet. Um, turned out it was, it was easy to get going and, and use um, but this this campsite also had generator hours because it's kind of loud it's like a truck running um, and it it uh, you, they don't want it running um, all day disturbing the peace of the campsite right yeah so we don't have we don't we don't have any any power aside from what we can get from the generator into our two low capacity batteries um and the problem is that uh we're we're not really on vacation this is kind of a a trip really uh because everyone's working but um we need to work throughout the day and everybody's device is basically plugged in uh, is going to draw battery power throughout the day um the the generator hours were like 8 to 10 in the morning and 5 to 7 at night. A couple hours. Um, but we also need things like we need the refrigerator to run all day or else our food will go bad. Uh, we need mm-hmm. heat at night because uh, it got down to like 30 degrees a couple of the nights. And uh, we have a propane furnace and an electric fireplace heater as well as a couple of electric space heaters. So we're over here. Wow, thirty degrees at night. Yes, there was a couple cold nights here. <clears throat> wow, I know deserts get cold at night, but I, ah, man, I can't remember. I think we've gone through deserts before, just tent camping, and I don't remember it being so cold. I remember a night in the mountains where it was like thirty degrees. But did you do it in the winter? That's kind of surprising to me. No, no, it was. Summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's the winter time, so I, I, it still affects that. Yeah. I guess, I suppose, I guess I never think of Arizona <laughs> as being uh, involved in winter. Yes, we actually do have winter down here. It's 30 degrees at night and 70 degrees during the day. 
It's so rough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So. Yeah, carry on with your story. So, basically, we're very limited on power. We're trying to figure out the amps that every device is drawing, how many amp hours we have, trying to figure out what's going to happen. So, we decided to run the propane furnace only a little bit because it does have an electric blower fan. We don't know how many amps that's going to draw. Uh, and you'd be surprised at how many amps some of these things draw. And uh, we, like yeah. I said, we have a fridge and a freezer that need to run um, to keep our stuff from going bad, our food. And uh, we're trying to stay warm at night. We're trying to keep our computers charged and running uh, so people can work during the day. Because um, it's, it's kind of critical. My dad, for example, um, is on calls all the time. And um, it's it's critical that he, you know, his his work connection, um, internet is another thing we have to keep powered on. Uh, but it's critical that his work mm. is is you know doable from within this RV, because uh, it's really a special opportunity that he's able to do this, um, you know, working from home, working from an RV anywhere. So, you know, if there's any problems with it, then it shows that doing it from an RV isn't isn't a good isn't a good thing and he might not be allowed to do it um so we're trying to keep all those factors in in mind and uh so we get by we were there four days we get by just by running the generator the two hours in the morning the two hours at night we have very limited heat we have no lights whatsoever uh we have a couple flashlights for at night and uh we did we did okay with the heat um, we ended up shutting off the f- refrigerator, uh, for so most of the, most of the night, actually, we went out and got some ice to put in it to keep it cold. Um, mm. it was funny on our, uh, on our way back. Uh, <laughs> so we, it's, it's been such a crazy trip, uh, this entire time that we make jokes about just wanting to be home and, uh. You know, this is supposed to be like a fun, not a vacation, because we are working, but it's supposed to be like a fun trip, right? But we're mm-hmm. making jokes about we just want to be home and, and, you know, enjoying the comforts of home and where everything goes smoothly and we can relax. Um, <laughs> and we were driving back from the store shopping one Just night. remember, it's the uh, toughest times to make the best memories. It, it, it's, it's so true. It's so true, though. Uh, we, 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 we've been ri- wanting to write our adventures down kind of in a, like a little journal or at least make notes of the crazy things that have happened. Um, well, good thing we got a podcast where we can record them. That's right. That's right. Uh, the, um, we were driving back from the store. One of the nights we were staying at this campground without power. And, uh, <laughs> we, we made some comment, some funny comment that sounded like could be the start of a journal entry or, or something, something like, uh, never did I imagine that, I would be driving back to my campsite with no power and no heat, dot, 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 something like that. <laughs> and, uh, mm. yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly been an adventure. Um, so, yeah, that was our previous campsite, which we just came from a few, a couple days ago. We spent New Year's Eve here last night, and then New Year's Day today at this current campsite, uh, which is Picacho State Park, I think it's State Park, um, 
which is uh, it's a mountain, Picacho Peak. Uh, we actually had another adventure here. Well, it wasn't us. Uh, it was something we got to witness. So uh, my brother and I took a couple spins on the bike this morning, and then later the entire family went out for a hike. And uh, we just started this hike uh, when we heard the sound of a plane or a helicopter or something really loud. And uh, so we were just standing on the trail watching, and um, sure enough, all of a sudden a, a helicopter comes into view, and uh, right away we see it's a evac helicopter, um, mm. and uh, so instantly we're we're like wondering, uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, is somebody about to get airlifted or something? And uh, mm-hmm. I should preface prefix this by saying that. The trail we are on, we didn't hike the entire thing, um, but the trail we were on specifically mentioned in our little trail guide that uh, it, how steep it was, and uh, the it's got like um, like like handrails that you have to grip, and it highly recommends gloves. Like it's it's not just your average walking trail; you're climbing up a peak. I think it was a. Uh, I think it was about 1,400 feet, I believe, uh, over mm-hmm. one and a half miles. So it's pretty steep, right? And um, and so this evac helicopter is taking off right in front of us, almost. And uh, we, we, don't, we don't know if it had landed first and then took off again, because we couldn't really see it from our position, but... We see it take off, and it flies straight up to, towards the mountain. And, man, it's so cool to just watch helicopters hover. Like, it's so neat to just watch them just hang there in the air. Anyways, so it flies up to the mountain, and uh, we can kind of tell it's looking along the trail. Because uh, we know the trail go- goes right. And, you know, We're on the trail. We see where the trail goes. Unfortunately, we are too far away to see much. But we see the helicopter kind of hovering, looking along the trail, and then it goes up to, then it flies up to the the very top, uh, presumably where the trail ends. It doesn't land, but it gets super low, and it's so far away. Uh, the people look like ants, but the people we saw two two people drop out of the helicopter onto the ground. The helicopter never landed. We saw two people drop mm. out. And presumably, they went to hike back to where the helicopter had been a couple minutes ago. Um, the helicopter is there in the air for another, I don't know, 10 minutes? 5, 10 minutes? No, it wasn't that long. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was. 5 or 10 minutes um, hovering above the spot. And uh, then we realize we see a line hanging from below it. And uh, in another couple minutes, it pulls away from the mountain... And starts coming back towards us, and sure enough, there's a guy hanging from the from the end of the line, getting airlifted. Uh, presumably, there were two people. It looked like two people: the person being lifted and someone else with him. And um, yeah. so crazy because I've just I've never seen someone get airlifted before. And uh, they go back to the to the uh, wasn't the wasn't the trailhead. It was. Uh, just some of the buildings at the park near the park entrance and uh there was an ambulance and fire truck there and they lowered the guy to the ground uh and then the helicopter zips right back up into the air and goes back to the top of the mountain and picks up the one last guy uh that had got dropped off and then came back and landed 
Um, then the helicopter actually shuts off and is there for a few more minutes and then finally flies away. So the ambulance left. We went and talked to the uh, park ranger station, ranger center, whatever. Um, they said, uh, I'm sure they can't you know, give anything away, tell anything, um, but they said everything was fine. The person was okay. And uh, I guess it's a good sign that they got driven away in the ambulance instead of actually taking the helicopter to the hospital. So, mm. uh, yeah, it was, uh, I guess, my first time seeing someone get airlifted. And um, what's crazy is the, the lady we asked about what happened, um, it's not like the person fell uh, climbing. Yeah. But uh, what's crazy is she said uh, <laughs> that... It happens a lot, apparently. Not just people f- yeah. falling, but uh, the most common reason people get airlifted uh, is from dehydration. People hike that thing either without enough water or no water at all. <coughs> apparently, they don't <coughs> learn. And um, hey, do you remember how many times? Uh, it's not there. Um, I was trying to remember how many times she said. I want to say like 12 times a month or something crazy high uh, that people get Whoa. airlifted off that mountain. And um, <laughs> Three times a week. Yeah. And uh, we thought that the helicopter was there quickly. But it turns out the call had been like gone out like four hours ago. So the person was mm. there. And um, apparently if the helicopter is at another location too, it can be like, many more hours on top of that before a person can get lifted. So it's just crazy. Apparently the um the ranger lady we had talked to is uh has done a lot of basically running up and down that trail helping out with, you know, people that <laughs> I don't know, either get injured or just dehydrate, which is apparently a pretty common thing. Yeah. So so what you're saying is we should get our helicopter licenses and run a helicopter out of there and just use that as our business. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. I did think of you today because I know you've told me how much you uh, you think flying a helicopter would be cool. And we had... Oh, I love helicopters. They, they're so neat. We actually... Uh, we had just watched the uh, latest Smart Every Day video, uh, the Sonar mm-hmm. uh, one about submarines, which is mm-hmm. fascinating, by the way. But side tangent, oh, we had also watched a couple old ones and had watched the the helicopter one about auto rotating down. Yeah, <laughs> that it's so crazy because it's such an an easy misconception to make that a helicopter is just going to fall like a brick. And uh, but yeah. it's, it's so cool, so fascinating. <clears throat> but yeah, it's awesome to watch them hover. So that was our uh, that was our excitement for the day that. Wasn't wasn't something that happened to us, and we're pretty thankful that it didn't. But uh, I guess uh, neat to witness for the first time. So yeah, that's been our RV adventures to date. We've been only at it like two weeks now, and it feels like we've been at it for a whole lot longer. But. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Well, it feels like a year since we recorded last. Oh, I know. And see, the thing is with our last campsite, which was the one without power, um, I was trying to work. And 
So I couldn't use valuable Skype time because Skype is just going to, you know, doing the video call, it's just going to chew through my laptop battery. So mm-hmm. as much as I had to do it, I did have to deprioritize you because I needed to work with that battery power. And I probably could have squeezed time in. And, you know, I have my phone too, but, you know, the phone, I need that. That's going to die. I could have squeezed time in, but I wanted to do it without feeling the pressure of running out of battery and anything. And yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> but yes, I'm, I'm really glad we finally got a chance to catch up because it just, it feels like it's been so long and we've been in so many different places and it's just been such a whole crazy long adventure. It's been a fun one though. Um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've been making, uh, making subtle, May well not so subtle uh hints to my parents that i'm really enjoying it down here and wouldn't mind if we spent the rest of the winter down here just rving around different campsites because you know we can all work and i can do school online and it just seems like the perfect fit unfortunately we have cats we have to go back to and uh just shouldn't leave really i guess leave our home for so long but uh anyways i've been i've been trying to slide it in there and um I think my logic is sound, and I think people are slowly getting on board, but it's just not 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 really feasible, no matter how much I push it. Just have them mail your cats out to you, right? Right. Yeah. It, it's it's you'll be good. It's really so neat though that we can all work remotely, like this. Yeah. You know, this year and what COVID, what COVID has caused. Um, mm-hmm. It's. I don't know. I mean, it's there's been a lot of bad, but this is definitely one of the good things. You know, it's not it's mm-hmm. not just uh, until COVID is gone too. It's uh, I think a lot of companies have realized that um, you know people are happier at home and can save them money, and people can still get their work done. So yeah. it's pretty cool that we're all able to work from home and do the digital nomading uh, lifestyle. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the definitely positive things that came out of COVID is companies just streamlining stuff. Mm-hmm. Although things like I like, you know, they realize that they can run just drive-throughs and it's a lot cheaper than having uh, people in the restaurants because you know you can get by with less staff. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that I'm afraid of us losing that personal touch of uh, being able to go into a restaurant and sit down because there's only a couple around here that actually have open lobbies and I. It's such a treat to get to go and actually sit down in a restaurant. So hopefully that all gets back to normal at some point. But, yeah, definitely I think a lot of good has come out of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty neat. And uh, our RV ventures will continue. We are here, well, not, not at this campsite, but uh, we are in Arizona for another uh, two and a half weeks, I guess. One other thing, or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, about two and a half weeks. Um, Another thing I have failed to mention is one thing I was really excited about on this trip was that we were going to be in some dark sky locations. And if you've listened to this Mm. podcast before and you know me, I do kind of have this thing where I like taking pictures of little specks in the sky. And... uh, those specks have become really bright and beautiful when you don't have all kinds of light pollution. So, um, it's 
it's actually I didn't I didn't realize some of the sites we were staying at. Um, they are kind of close to the bigger cities like Phoenix and Tucson. Um, so mm. we are in like a green zone right now. I don't know what it is on the Bortle scale, but it's still not really much better than our house. So I'm I've kept mm. my equipment indoors. Haven't gotten it out yet, but on January tenth we will be. I won't give away our location, but we are going to be boondocking somewhere because um, maybe I failed to mention this as well. Uh, we are getting solar panels installed. Um, unfortunately, oh. we didn't have those before our our, uh, our our nights without electricity, but we will be getting those installed by a guy here at some point in another week or so. And then come January 10th, we will be boondocking somewhere. So no RV park no no campsite no power hookups no water hookups no nothing we're gonna be out on blm land um just hanging out boondocking what does that stand for uh it's basically government land government owned land so anybody can Hmm. can uh i want to say bureau of land management um but anyway anybody can can park their rv out there and uh so it's pretty cool and um the when, when we're there it's going to be super dark um it, it doesn't show like any color on my my uh, light pollution map which is a good thing hmm. um so <laughs> it's probably going to be close to as dark as it can get uh and also bonus on top of that the moon will be completely empty by then and uh it's just going to be Ooh. a, a total win-win for astrophotography so i'm super pumped for that i can't wait to get my gear out see what i can see what i can photograph all night long um yeah that's gonna be cool oh it's been uh been like two weeks now but uh did you guys get to see the planets come together in the sky yeah yeah you know they talked about them being like looking like just one super bright planet or star I walked out on the night of the 21st, which was supposed to be, like, the best night. And I just saw two planets in the sky side by side. They didn't look like one planet to me. I mean, mm. I I was expecting them to just look like one something that was just one super bright something. But I clearly saw two. Yeah. So it was a little less impressive for me because I think I was expecting something else. And, uh yeah. I saw some pictures going around on Facebook that looked a little on the Photoshop side because it was supposed to be like (laughs) a Bethlehem star or something. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, granted, I'm aware what diffraction spikes are and, you know, ways you can not fake them, but create them by placing stuff in front of a lens. Hey, we should do a podcast episode about that. We should. But I, I still feel like the images I saw were a little on the shop side, so eh. It's if they were if they were real, that's that's very cool, but it was not at all what it looked like in the sky, so Yeah. It was uh cloudy and drizzly here, so I did not see a thing. Well there were two planets side by side in the sky, so that's all you missed. Okay, well I'm glad I didn't miss too much. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like missing an eclipse or something. <laughs> hmm. When's the next one? Twenty twenty four. Yeah, coming up. Three years. Time All to start right. preparing and buying solar filters. 
Yeah. Oh man, it's twenty twenty one already. Imagine. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's been a long year. Um Yeah. Um anything else about your trip that you want to do, sure? I think that's been mostly it. Um one thing I forgot to mention near the start was uh we have because the the truck uh is a it's F three fifty we got with the diesel engine, so we have to buy diesel now to fill it up, which is just mm-hmm. uh different. Um it's the the diesel nozzles are a lot bigger uh than the gas mm-hmm. nozzles. So the people with a gas car can't mess up. But a person with a diesel yeah. engine can. And if you do uh-huh. mess up, if you put gas in before you start the engine, you haven't ruined anything yet. You just got to get it towed and have the tank dropped, which is unfortunate, <laughs> but it's way better than if you actually turn the vehicle on. If you let gas into a diesel engine, everything on Google says you're instantly running like over $10,000 in repairs. Like stuff gets messed up. $10,000? Oh, 10000 yeah, like wow. instantly like just even running it for a minute like you've already started to destroy stuff and i mean i've never had a diesel engine you know this is our first time in the family having a diesel engine but apparently they are the way they're built they can run a lot longer and put many more miles on there before you need any kind of maintenance um but when you do Hmm. need maintenance it's more expensive so yeah yeah so there's that um, so that's just been a little bit of a different experience. But you yeah. uh, mentioned something to me when we did a phone call about uh, two different kinds of diesel. One of them is used for oh, yeah. heat exchanger or something like that. Yeah. Well. Okay. So there's there is different kinds of diesel. Real often you see diesel number two. Okay. There is. Okay. There is. Um, it's based on the. Uh, let me look it up. So you can get different diesel mixtures. Um, and let's see, right, okay, so, um, so you, there's, there's diesel one and diesel two, and there's also, uh, winterized diesel, um, Mm -hmm. so basically, um, it depends on what temperature you're in, um, diesel, uh, number one, um, is it, it's thinner, so it'll f- it will uh it will, it will work better in the cold. Um, mm-hmm. and apparently that's also kind of how winterized diesel is as well. It's like a mix of the two. Um, real often it seems like a gas station will, depending on where it's located, like if you have one located like really far north or like halfway to Alaska or something, it's going to sell diesel that has been mixed um, so that it will run appropriately based on the local temperatures, which I thought was kind of cool and interesting. Um, Yeah, they, uh, up here in Wisconsin, they sell uh, winterized diesel. I think it's called DEF that they put in it. Well, so there's, (laughs) there is DEF. Um, This is kind of going a little outside my uh, my knowledge here. So DEF, diesel exhaust fluid, it's something separate. Mm. So when you pull okay. up to like a, a, the truck stop and you're in line with all the big semis getting your fuel, um, <laughs> which is a little intimidating, by the way, but uh, it is, there's, there's diesel and there's DEF, and you have to get both of them, and um, you don't always need DEF, 
but it is uh, something you do need to fill up on semi-regularly uh, to keep the engine running smoothly, I guess. Um, this is mm. kind of going outside okay. my knowledge of engines, but I know it's two completely separate things. And uh, and then, yeah, about the diesel one and two, it's just kind of depends, I guess, on the temperature. And uh, diesel number two is the most common, um, but if you're in colder weather, I guess you'd use winterized or diesel one or whatever. But that would be sold by a gas station in colder climates anyway, so it's not really something you need to worry about. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you were talking about that uh, colored uh, diesel that uh, you could get that's not taxed or something like that. And uh, if you get if you have it in your tank, you it can get fined heavily or something. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Um, Weren't you saying something about it? It gets used uh, for refrigerator trucks or something. Yeah, I'm, it, it's not for like the average consumer. Um, mm. It is. I'm trying to remember here, it's the same thing. Okay, so it's not a different kind of fuel. It's dyed. Yeah, it's dyed so mm-hmm. that yes, if someone found it in your tank. Um, and you weren't allowed to have it in your tank, then they know that, that what you have. And the reason is yeah. because um, it's 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 tax free. So if mm-hmm. if your average consumer puts it in, then that's illegal, and then they can tell based on the color. Um, but let's see. I'm actually trying to Google it here. What exactly red diesel is used for? Um, Let's see. I wonder if there's, and I'm sure they've thought of this before, so probably not, but I wonder if there's some chemical or something you could run through it to uh, neutralize the dye or remove the dye through some kind of filter. Yeah. Okay, so... <clears throat> not that I'm uh, trying to promote uh, breaking the law, but j- just curious. Yeah, like those science experiments where they clear up a container of, like, dirty water yeah. or something. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Alrighty, so... Google just says red diesel is a fuel that is used for machinery and off-road vehicles used um, across a wide variety of industries, including farming and construction. Uh, it's just like regular diesel that's dyed. Um, so I don't remember mm. what we saw it for. If it was for some kind of trucking vehicles or something, but um, it's regular old diesel. It's just tax-free, and so they dye it red so that if someone who's not supposed to be using it... Uh, uses it and you know isn't paying taxes on it so <laughs> hmm. interesting yeah alrighty um got any other fun exciting adventures from your trip well let's see um it's not really an adventure but we did go out looking for scorpions with some black lights and unfortunately I think they're all hibernating so that's kind of a, um. a dead end story right there nothing exciting to say um I'd love to come back though in the in the summertime when they aren't hibernating. You know, it it seems warm enough, but apparently they do go into hibernation for the winter, um, which is when they mm-hmm. like to invade people's homes. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we could knock on someone someone's mm-hmm. door and say, "Hey, can we come look for scorpions in your house with our black lights?" <laughs> yeah, there you go. You should uh, bring some back as pets. 
Yeah, but none not on the trails though, which was you know kind of sad. I was I was excited to see those. Mm. Um, Any rattlesnakes or anything? No rattlesnakes. No no nothing interesting. They do apparently have uh, Gila monsters down here if you're familiar with those. Um, oh okay. They're like uh, big fat <laughs> black and reddish orange looking lizards um, that mm. are are dangerous. Yes, and uh, we've mm. seen a whole bunch of birds and. Um, some bunny rabbits and uh fascinating oh dude i forgot to tell you we saw two we think we saw two we know we saw one bobcats cross the road right in front of us and uh nice it was really cool because we were trying to figure out what it was we didn't think it looked like a coyote i was like i don't i don't remember seeing much tail on it and so we look it up and sure enough bobcats are actually really common in arizona and they love hmm. raiding uh, campsites. And we are right near our campsites. Oh. We're like, bingo, we saw a bobcat. And uh, nice. check that off the list. But you know what's interesting? Yeah. While I was looking it up, um, guess, okay, I won't, I won't make you guess because this is kind of far out there. Did you know that uh, there, there were, I don't know how recent this was. I think it was actually a while back. Um, but there was a few jaguars that were recorded as still living in Arizona, but most of them have hmm. gone like farther south to Mexico. But it's just crazy that there are jaguars like in the United States. But there was only a couple yeah. of them, I think, and they were males. So I don't know; they're probably gone by now. But uh, hmm. it's just crazy that they live here. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I guess I guess I think of those as being a more. Uh even like south of mexico kind of thing yeah yeah seemed like they'd be living in the jungle somewhere or something neat well um i've been keeping busy up here working on projects i uh got my washer finally moved up from the basement finally got the water lines all hooked up i uh had it so the the tubing is all the in the house is all copper mm-hmm. currently and so i had to buy these little, uh, I guess, compression fittings to adapt from copper to PVC okay. to uh, put the new water lines in. And uh, I ended up having to solder a T-joint onto the, the copper tubing so that I could uh, run that line off. And uh, three out of the four went pretty well. Well, I should say two out of the f- four... <laughs> Because I ended up putting caps on the ends, so those maybe don't count. But those two sealed up fine, no problems. The other two, the T-joints, uh, I just kept leaking on me. For some reason, the solder just wouldn't go in. Kept leaking. The hotline, uh, I had to redo a couple of times. Everything seemed like it was good. And, of course, you know, every time I do this, I had to drain all the water out of the, the system. So I would mm-hmm. shut the water off at the at the tank. And then go upstairs and turn all the faucets on so that uh, there was no, you know, vacuum mm-hmm. holding the water in. And then um, open up the uh, valve that I was attempting to, because I put a valve right at the end where the copper uh, transitions to PVC, so I can shut that off easy enough. The idea was just that I could put these uh, T's in and then splice to PVC, but keep it you know, shut off until I got the actual PVC run where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So then I had to let it drain out of there and let everything drain. And then I'd start soldering it. And I was having problems with my propane torch. 
uh, getting it hot enough because uh, I kept having problems where it, it just for some reason would plug up and not let the propane out. So I <laughs> ended up redoing the hot water a couple of times, and then the, everything seemed to be fine. Came back down a day or two later, and the cold was leaking. Oh, no. And I had to redo the cold a couple of times. So finally, I just put gobs and gobs of solder on top of it after that which is not the right way to do it but i couldn't get it to seal properly and it's hard to pull those joints apart because they're you know mounted up against the the top or the bottom of the floor um so there's not much space to work and plus they don't want to move sideways very much so to try to pull them apart and clean them uh, and they they were certainly clean before i put them together but to try to pull them apart and re-clean them to re-solder them would have been a nightmare because copper gets real hot so there's no good way to grab it plus being that copper conducts heat really well it cools down quickly enough that the uh um the solder freezes up within a couple of seconds i'd say 10 15 seconds Mm -hmm. and so to try to heat it up put the torch down grab both sides without burning myself pull them (laughs) apart it wasn't gonna work so i ended up just putting piles and piles of solder on top of it so i'll just keep an eye on it see if it ends up start leaking again or not if it does they uh they sell these little things. I think they're called some kind of shark tooth adapter or something like that. They've got pretty much they're made to slide over the copper. They've got little metal teeth in them that hold them against the copper. And then I think there's a rubber seal in there that keeps it from leaking, mm-hmm. I believe. So that'll be my next course of action if I have uh, issues with that. Um, these compression fittings are it's threaded on each end. And your copper goes in one side and your PVC goes in the other side. Then there's a, a rubber washer on each end. I guess washer is the best way to describe it. Okay. And then both ends screw down into the middle, and it compresses that washer um, along the length of the tubing, which causes it to get fatter, but there's no room for it to get fatter, so it just really squeezes it tighter against the tubing. Okay. And I was skeptical at first, but uh, I've turned the pressure on and off a couple of times, and they haven't budged an inch and haven't leaked, so Hmm. pretty impressed so far. So that would be my other option would be to use two of those to, and then put in a PVC line in a, a T joint at that location. Hmm. But I finally got everything run um, and uh, got the washer upstairs, hooked everything up, turned the water on. Thankfully, there were no leaks. And so I turned the washing machine on because I hadn't washed laundry in like two weeks because I was in the middle of trying to transition all that hmm. stuff upstairs. And I hear water running oh, no. on the floor. Come to find out, somewhere along the line, the tub for the washer got cracked, and there's a, a chunk missing. It must have been while I was trying to move it up the stairs. Ooh. I don't know how it happened, because that plastic should be pretty tough. But So now I'm on the hunt for a new washing machine. Yikes. But I'm glad I got the plumbing run and everything. Um, I guess the only other really interesting thing is that I bought a metal lathe. <gasps> so really? I can now... Yep, I can now turn um, metal things and make round things wow. out of round or non-round things. When you told um, me it was, with... you had to bring it home on a trailer, I was like, "Could it be?" I didn't. I didn't. I didn't it wow. is. It's amazing. So I've been wanting to get a metal lathe for years and years now. Um, I have a wood lathe. So for anybody who's unfamiliar, a lathe is just used for turning objects. And, and cutting them to make them round. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of wooden project, you know, round wooden products are made on a lathe. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of round metal prod- 
products that are, you know, just stamped or rolled. But then there's some stuff that needs to be precision, like, for example, uh, drive shafts and vehicles. Um, <clears throat> uh, and lots of other stuff, too. Some pulleys, if they need to be a real precision and, uh, you know, casting won't work. Things like that. Most, you know, any, really most any shaft that has a bearing on it is going to be turned on a lathe just because you need that precision if it's going to be spinning at a higher speed, you know, rate of speed. Uh, so it doesn't vibrate because it'll be out of balance if you try to cast it because there'll be imperfections. Mm -hmm. So I can now turn metal down uh, to, <laughs> for lack of a better description, make different shapes out of it. I'm going to be using it for, I've had projects where I want to make drive shafts for things or uh, jack shafts for changing the direction of uh, rotation or uh, one I commonly run into is uh, working on cars and uh, needing to replace a metric bolt and the store doesn't have the size I need. So I'll now be able to make my own bolts wow. and I guess in theory nuts as well. That's cool. Um to replace those. They're not it's not <laughs> it's not super practical for making like one or two bolts, but that's still when you're in awesome, a pinch though. and that's all you have. Yep. So yeah, I'll be able to put, you know, threads on anything I need. Um I uh, watched a video of a guy and uh something we keep forgetting to do is give recommendations. That was something we wanted to do Ooh. at the beginning of our uh our podcasting recommendations at the end of every show. So my recommendation this week is going to be uh, a YouTube channel called this old Tony. He does a lot of just cool, random building machining, um, projects that I suppose would be a very niche, niche, niche group of people that would actually find it interesting. Um, he's got some lathe turning video or lathe, lathe videos, lathing videos. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and some machining stuff with mills, and he does welding stuff and general fabrication stuff, just, you know, whatever random projects he has. He's got a uh, great, just subtle, dry sense of humor. Just comes up with just the most hilarious things <laughs> to say that uh, I would have never thought of. I, I just, I find him hilarious. But again, he's probably a very niche group that uh, will watch him. But anyway... He uh, took a giant chunk of aluminum and turned it down into a, um, a are you familiar with a Zanzibar uh, coffee maker? Mm, may have heard of it before, but no, not, not really. So they're not super common, but pretty much what it is is there's a lower chamber. It's pretty much a, a, a aluminum coffee pot, uh -huh. uh, the lower chamber. It's, they're usually made of aluminum because it conducts heat well. Lower chamber is where you put your water in. And then there's a stem that sticks down. And, a and then a filter above that. And then in the upper chamber, there's a, uh, uh, I guess you would say a stem that sticks up. And the, those stems are hollow. And then you put your gr coffee grounds inside a little cup um, in the lower chamber, just below the filter. And... You screw the two halves together, put it on the stove, and then the water heater the water heats up, um, and the steam and the pressure forces the water up through the uh, the tube and up through the coffee grounds and then into the top chamber, and that's why the stem sticks up in the middle of the top chamber. It you know comes out the top and spills over and stays on the the inside of the top chamber. So it's a way to make coffee on the stove with no moving parts or you know or or over a campfire or whatever, no electricity. Anyway, really cool. long explanation. To explain what he made, he made one of those on a lathe by turning down all that aluminum. That was one of the videos I watched recently. 
but he's done many other interesting videos. He uh, talks in great depth about uh, some aspects of uh, machining, uh, like cutting threads, the angles you want to be at, um, how you know pitch on metric threads works, um, the grinding of the tools, what angle you know, like what angles you want to attack the metal at, and he goes into great depth and explains this stuff in very easy to understand terms. So, yeah, highly recommend this old Tony. Um, I think that's all I'm going to talk about the lathe for now. It's, a, I believe, a South Bend Heavy 10, I think, is the model. Um, it's got a 10-inch swing, so that means uh, I can turn something with a 10-inch diameter. Okay. Um, and it's got 24 inches between centers. So if I was going to run something between two two points and turn it that way... Um, I couldn't, th- well, it, it says 24 inches. I don't think it's actually 24. I think it's less than that. I think the way they measure it from is uh, slightly deceptive. But, uh, yeah, I could, in theory, go up to 24 inches long. However, if I don't use a tailstock and I only hold it in the chuck, um, I could really go as as long as I want, as long as uh, <laughs> the workpiece can support itself and not droop and, mm-hmm. you know, end up whipping around or whatever. Um so yeah, I'm excited to uh, get to play with that. It's uh, got a three-phase motor on it currently, and I only have single-phase electric to my house, so I'm just going to buy a uh, single-phase motor to put on. Uh, i got to find one that's reversible, because uh, that comes in handy with a lathe. Um, they're like around 200 bucks or something, so nothing crazy expensive. Uh, for a, That's for a two-horse motor. The one the motor it's got on it right now is three-quarter horse, so that will be way more than I need. Okay. But I wasn't really able to find any smaller motors at a better price, so I'll probably go with a two-horse motor. So, yeah, that's uh, my latest purchase. And once I start playing with it, maybe we'll have to do an actual episode about uh, things I've learned on the lathe. Yeah, I'm like, I've got questions right now. Like, should I hold off? Yeah, hold your questions until I actually know what I'm talking about or until (laughs) I can better pretend that I know what I'm talking about. I'll hold my questions. All right, sounds good. Well, that's all I've got to talk about this week. you have anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, other than that, I think that's really, really cool because I know you've won a metal lathe for a long time, and it's just so awesome. I, now I totally want to come up and visit you this summer because I, I want to see it in action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, as always, thanks for listening, and uh, send us an email at uh, enthusiastictwitter at gmail.com, and we'll talk at you later. Bye. Bye.